Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. My name is Chris Ryan. Today I am joined by Justin Verrier. Hello. And Danny Chow. Hello. We are talking about an article on a web blog called TheRinger.com, and it's uh, top 25 players of the first 25-ish games. You can find this post on TheRinger.com. Tons of other basketball content up there for you. But we did a list of the top 25 players of the league so far this season. So the sample size is small, which created an interesting list, I think. We, we had some basic, like, oh yeah, of course, these guys are going to be at the top. But there was a lot of surprises. There was a lot of guys who maybe we thought might be higher, wind up being lower. We pulled the Ringer NBA staff. So the voting block is basically anybody who wrote or edited NBA content for the ringer.com. Anyone we can find, really. Including Bill Simmons? Yes. So he had his list. Everybody submitted their top 25. It went into the Zach Cram machine. It came out with this 25. I think we're all relatively satisfied with it. I just want to run through the top 10, and then we can start talking about some surprises that we had on the list. You can find the full list on TheRinger.com. It's very easy to find right there. Number one player, LeBron James. Number two, Harden. Number three, Giannis. Number four, Steph. Number five, KD. Number six, Kyrie. Number seven, Boogie. Number eight, Anthony Davis. Number nine, Chris Stops. Number 10, Joel Embiid. Justin, somebody's missing from that top 10. They sure are. The reigning MVP. Mm, but he's right there. He's close by. He is. He's 11. But let's talk a little bit about, I think Westbrook's decline out of the conversation of, is he the best player? Is maybe, is one of the, like, the biggest conversations this year. Right. It's interesting because... The surprise I got out of Westbrook being 11 wasn't that he's fallen this this much. It's that actually we all kind of were in a consensus about where he was in the league. Yeah. I think we all had him at around 11 to 15. This year, though. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but do you think that an MVP falling out of the top 10, that's a pretty steep drop, though, right? The oh, next of course. In the 25 games next season. Yeah, but to Danny's point, I think it's the biggest surprise is that it's not surprising. I think if you read Jonathan Sharks' little blurb there for mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook, it's basically like, yeah, this might even be too high. Right. And if you look at that team, it does feel like sometimes he is the engine to beat the Golden State Warriors, but other times he's the type of guy who could shoot them out of games that they probably should be winning, considering the talent they have now. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think that it's interesting that there's these new arrivals on the Thunder, yet Westbrook is taking the bear like the the load in terms of the blame for the problems with it and i think a lot of that has to do with the idea that if he's the point guard it's sort of his responsibility as the floor general to move the ball and to install or at least execute whatever offense is supposed to be happening and more often than not the ball sort of stops with russ and that that is kind of like the main issue with these guys yeah it's kind of the ugly side of all the good we saw last year it's like if he wants to be the center of the universe yeah he can win mvp like that with certain guys around him but now you have more talented players and now you're starting to see the ugly side of it and it's that he's not getting those guys involved it's still very much a me-centric sort of situation and i think 11 is appropriate if not too high yeah i mean i think with when he had kd that he had five years of continuity or however many years of continuity to work with they had the plays that they knew worked for the two of them, KD on the low block, that little two-man game that they would play. He hasn't really found that with George and, and Melo yet. Not yet. And that's kind of the mind-numbing aspect of this exercise is that we're still kind of waiting to see yeah. what the Thunder are. And with how Russ is right now, it's too early to say whether or not he's not in the top 25. And there is certainly an argument that someone would make. I'd personally would not want to make it. Russ is my favorite player of the last five years. Yeah. But there's an argument to be had that he might not even deserve to be in this top 25. It's Iversonian what's happening here. It's, it just really reminds me of that. Here's the question. Do you expect him, if we were to take this poll, let's say 75% of the way through the season, mm-hmm. do you expect him to be higher or lower? 
Um, I expect him to be right around the same. Yeah. In the sense that I think that he'll like his season will get better and the Thunder's season will get better, but it's going to be hard for him to maneuver his way into this list, especially with the best players in the league playing as well as they're playing. Right. Yeah. right? So we are getting an MVP LeBron season. We are getting when he is sort of allowed to show it an MVP caliber Durant season. Steph, I think, has had weirdly an up and down shooting season somewhat. But like, I mean, I've seen games where it's just right. like, oh, Steph's like, obviously his hand was hurt for a while. And now he's got the ankle injury, but is still the engine of the Warriors. Like if all the great players are playing at their best, it's hard for Russ to break into that top five. And of course, we haven't even said Harden, who's maybe the most dynamic offensive player in the league. Yeah, it's a very LeBron thing to do to take the temperature of the entire league and be like, Oh, I'm just going to do this better than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like when Taylor Swift was getting into like EDM and some yeah. of those other things and just made it just completely popular and brought it to a, right. a bigger audience. And that's LeBron's season this far. I think Danny and I were the only two to put Harden number one. We did the voting before LeBron had those insane shots yeah. against the Sacramento Kings, basically won that game for the Cavs. But I don't know. Do you still feel comfortable with Harden one or would you redo it? Sure. No, I, I absolutely have complete confidence in in Harden and D'Antoni. Look, every podcast you guys have me on, I'm just going <laughs> to... Just talk about the Rockets? Talk about my stand Somebody's got to do it. Apparently, because yeah. we have Houston bias here. A uh, couple of other things. I think that Giannis was obviously the story of like the first month of the season. Do you think that he's too high, though, at number three above the Warriors guys? I think this is the problem with a list of individual talents as opposed to just a collective. Like sure. Obviously, Steph and KD lead to more wins, but Giannis is just production-wise and what he's doing with the guys around him is just simply amazing. Like, Especially on the defensive end, he's probably a top-five defender yep. at this point, if not higher. Also, yeah. a top-five offensive player. I mean, to a certain extent, it's just like too much to kind of overlook, even though the team is kind of middling right now, kind of like in that middle Stops ground. Of starts, yeah. yeah, for sure. I'm really not going to put, you know, kids defensive strategies and everything that he's been putting out in, into the press. Like, he's been saying some, like, really wild shit. Like what? It was a, a fouling situation in a recent game where he was just like, yeah, they, they were just trying to take twos when they should have taken threes, so we were just going to foul them, make the make the game that much quicker. It was just like, why are you giving them three points Yeah, right, right. Interesting. Third dimension. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to put that <laughs> against what Giannis has done this season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who's his best teammate? Probably Bledsoe. Right, and yeah. they've been together for, like, what, a couple weeks? Yeah. like So it's, it's really tough to accurately assess Middleton them, like. dog. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about representation from teams. So obviously, mm-hmm. in the entire ten, top 25, the four four of the five Warriors starters made it. Sorry, Zaza. But there are two Pelicans mm. in the top 10. Yes, not the right order, one well, might say. Well, here's the thing, is most GMs in this league, no matter how analytically based they make their decisions, are still looking to put as many top-tier talents on the floor at the same time. That was what drew Sam Presti's summer. That's why the Pelicans made the move for Boogie in the first place. They are actually getting the very best versions of Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins before Anthony Davis's was a groin or yeah. pelvis yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Abductor. Abductor. But we're seeing also the limitations of what happens, I think, when you have a top-heavy team like this, right? I mean, the Pelicans are probably better than we thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit, as somebody who's obviously spent a lot of time in New Orleans and watched the Pelicans a lot, 
over the years. How you're feeling about the Twin Towers offense and and where these guys rank? I'm a little bit surprised that it's been better uh, than it has been, but not totally shocked. I think going into the season, the one thing I kept saying is if they're going to win and they're going to have any degree of success, it's just by sheer talent alone, by putting on the floor two top 10 guys. And this list kind of almost, it's kind of almost obvious. You just have two top 10 guys. You're going to have moderate success Mm -hmm. at the very least. I don't know what their ceiling is, though. I feel like their ceiling might even be like fifth seed tops because a lot of the guys they have on their team, as we discussed yesterday, and we're always discussing about them, they just don't have the right guys around them. What would the right guys be? Just shooters? Yeah, or just... More Darius Millers. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Darius Miller and Etwan Moore are their two shooters, and they've played really well this year, and still they're only... 13 and, and 12. I yeah. think that's the issue there. I mean, when they stagger those two bigs, which they've done a very good job of, I think you need guys to fill in around them. It's almost like they need to not only have one good team with both of those guys in the court, they need two, two other teams other just to feature them yeah. when one is off the floor. Yeah. Anthony Davis's sort of successor at Kentucky, yeah. Carl Anthony Towns, did not make this list, which is maybe the biggest shock of all, most of the unicorns made the list. Jokic made the list. Chris Stops, obviously, in the top 10. But Cat is now the punching bag of the NBA du jour. Talk a little bit about his season and talk about why you think he didn't make this list. I just think when you are the focal point of a Tom Thibodeau offense and defense and you just completely ignore one side of the ball and Jimmy Butler is on your ass for not being on rotations and being where you're supposed to be, it's kind of hard to say that he's had as impactful a season as Jimmy Butler, who is, I think, 15th or 16th on our list. 17th. 17th. His scoring numbers are down, but that's not the scoring that people are reacting to. It's the defense. Yeah. I mean, there's too many clips now. It's very Harden-esque, like a year or two ago, where it's like the thing you see most of Towns is him not getting his ass back on defense. And I think that's starting to catch up to him, and I think it's warranted because— He's just kind of loafing out there. And for a guy with that much talent, especially in today's NBA, where he came in already able to shoot, unlike Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis, some of the kind of unicorn predecessors, he really should be in the MVP discussion like every year at this point. The reverse of this is sort of Horford. So Horford placed very high in this list, 13th. The numbers are never eye-popping. But it's everything else that is. This this basically happens with Horford every time he's on a team that really looks like an Eastern Conference elite. He's a reflection of the team. So if the team is going to look good, he's going to look good because whenever a team is doing good with him on the team, he's the guy who's basically... In every single avenue. He's a he's a win Doing factor, every single basically. Yeah. Yeah. I get very Bulls, Derek Rose era vibes from the Celtics these days. That's a mixed blessing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I mean they're better in every way than those sort of teams. But they're a team that wins on defense, and Horford is the crux of that, of what they do there. And Kyrie Irving is almost kind of the the Isaiah Thomas light. He's kind of more of a blend where he's has more capabilities on the defensive end but he's still the guy scoring the points and thus is going to get the shine going to get all of kind of the accolades for that reason but Horford I might argue is their most important player yeah I would say you're exactly right I'd be very curious to see if he misses any time and he has a tendency to get injured once a season at least what that Celtics team looks like without him because they didn't reinforce up front you know what I mean they didn't Mm -hmm. go shopping for bigs Getting somebody to back Horford up down the stretch could be something Danny Ainge looks into at the trade deadline. Yeah, all of their bigs right now are very 
we're here to set hard picks and we're here to grab rebounds, which they didn't do last year. But they don't have a guy who's going to be as dynamic from, you know, the top of the arc, creating from the top of the circle. Yeah, the the Bulls thing, not really sure. The Bulls didn't really have that as much offense as, sure, 100%. as uh, these Celtics do, although the Celtics aren't playing as well on, on offense as we maybe thought they would be at the beginning of the season. A couple of other things that I think are notable is the... You guys can't see this because you didn't see our individual ballots, but there was, uh, I think Lillard was one of the most divisive people. He wound up at 15. Portland's having a fine season, if not exceptional. He's averaging almost 26 points a game. Is he underrated or overrated? Like, that's the question I think everybody kind of confronts. And people who like Lillard, I think, don't put up very good arguments for him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, and I don't know what it is about him that kind of makes him this divisive figure because I think he's... Just got a lot of confidence in his abilities to lead that team. Yeah. And it doesn't complain too much about like the talent around him. And and he's in the probably the most dynamic backcourt in the West in some ways. I mean, like I know that Steph and Clay would probably say something about that, but I I, I enjoy watching McCollum and Lillard a lot. If we're saying that this is just a snapshot of these twenty-five or so games, is there much difference between what Lillard has done and what Victor Oladipo has done? Like, if anything, I'm, I might push Lillard ahead simply because of reputation. Like, right. we tried to tell people, like, try to put aside just everything that these guys have done in their careers, but it's, it's really tough to just Which is why Oladipo made 22 after basically being a, like right. a role player for the first few years of his career. Right, but I mean, we just came off a game the other week where first game after Anthony Davis goes down and the Pelicans blew the Blazers off the floor. Yeah. In Portland. And it's not really a good sign because they are that team this year where they're kind of just treading water. Nurkic, if anything, has really been the difference there. They're just the same team. They've just gotten incrementally better and they've had a little bit more success as a result of that. But I don't know. He hasn't really changed for me much since what he has been doing. Is there something about him that's empty calories? I mean, there's just a kind of perception that when you have Lillard as the head of an offense, you're getting a kind of Steph light. Mm -hmm. And... That's cool, that's fine, but he doesn't quite have the same command, the same gravity. And as a result, I, I don't really know where, you know, the ceiling is for... A, a what the ceiling is for the team, if Lillard's right, your best player. Exactly. Yeah. That's why everybody got so excited when he went out and McCollum ran point last year, right? Because it was it, just it was like... something new. Yeah, it was like this different look for them. And it was like, oh, what if CJ was this score first point guard, but he has such like a different game. Yeah. There's a feeling about Lillard when he's powering like up the court... Where you're just like, this guy is just like looking for that three-pointer as soon as he can get it. And with McCollum, there's that weird old-school slow-mo Gumby element to his game (laughs) that I think changes the way that that offense feels. It would have been interesting if Portland had gotten someone like Melo, because I think it really would have allowed us to look at Lillard in a different context. Yeah. Whereas it's almost Westbrookian, where I think in order for him to be successful, he needs to have the ball in his hands, he needs to be running the show. But then on the same side, you're saying, well, that team has a defined ceiling because he isn't Steph. He's Steph Light. Yeah. Let me ask you this. If Kawhi Leonard had been playing this season, if the Spurs had been at full strength this season, not asking you to project where Kawhi would be, I'm curious where you think LaMarcus Aldridge would be because he wound up being 16. I had him very high. I think I had him at like 10 or 11. I had him at 11. Yeah, and... This is quite a rehabilitation job for him. He has 22.6 per game, 0.8 boards, two assists, a 52% effective field goal percentage. Like He is what they bought a couple years ago. He is that now. And this Spurs team is just doing one of those classic, like no one's talking about them. They're third in the West, 17 and eight, without 
some of their best players. What do you think of Aldridge's season and where he wound up on this list? What was it, six months ago? Not even. We were talking about this guy had to be traded mm-hmm. to the point they where— They tried to I trade. think Aldridge was talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pop had to sit him down, probably got a nice Keontae, and they hashed this out over, over some tapas. Um, <laughs> and now here we are, and he's the focal point of a, a high-level NBA offense. It's right. it's unbelievable. It just speaks to, again, the system here. I, th- I mean, what Pop and Brad Stevens are able to do is borderline amazing. Uh, and I'm curious, and I know Danny is too, because we've been talking a lot about this recently, just like what do they do when they have to put Kawhi in there? I wonder if Aldridge just goes back to the guy he was. I'm not sure if he does, okay. if, if only because— they're starting to feature him more as a guy who can space the floor. He's always shown that he had three-point range, but this is the first year as a spur that he's actually taken them. He's shooting 39%. Powell's shooting about 43% from three. That really opens up the floor, and I really, really want to see what Kawhi can do as a four playing next to one of these guys, where he can kind of make up for a lot of their deficiencies on defense. I had written about this today on The Ringer about the Spurs. and Get those clicks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was mostly about Kawhi, mostly about Pop, but I think LaMarcus is having a career season, and it's really a testament to everything that Pop has been able to build around him and, and really instill in him that confidence to be the guy he was. And this is why the Spurs are the Spurs, is that in the absence of Kawhi, Pop has road-tested 12 guys, you know, and just is like experimenting with all these different combinations of players, still getting random dudes rest on any given night. But you're getting DeJounte Murray, you're getting Kyle Anderson, you're getting all the guys who came in to replace Deadman and Simmons. I can't even name them all. Uh, Joffrey <laughs> and all, like whatever the random names, Europeans right. he's found. Yeah. And that allows him, you guys are talking a little bit, you were talking a little bit about like they need to have a, a Boogie Davis lineup and then they need to have lineups that work with Boogie and Davis separately. Mm-hmm. Pop can do that with Lamar. Marcus and Kawhi get to go in, into the second half of the season. He can have a, a starting lineup. He can have a LaMarcus-centric lineup. He yeah. can have a Kawhi-centric lineup. He can do all sorts of stuff. And Rudy Gay and Kyle Anderson have filled in really admirably yeah, for Gay. Kawhi uh, during this absence. And they've they both shown that they're like stalwarts in this Spurs offense. Yeah. So. Let's rewind back to before the season started, like the eve of the season. How shocked are you that Andre Drummond is at 18? Ooh, pretty shocked. I think he's always had the talent, and I'm actually the worst person to ask because I've literally been watching this kid since he was in high school. UConn alum, great institution. But obviously what he's been doing, it's really turned around the Pistons. He's the only reason I think that they've been able to have some success there. Danny wrote about it really eloquently, just like how he's been able to operate from the high post, even though he doesn't have much of a shooting game. And just having someone that big, that athletic in today's NBA, I feel like it's kind of a swing in the other direction than we had been going with all these stretchy, versatile shooting guys where if you can keep up with them, I think it's still an advantage to be massive and and that talented. I actually had him pretty low, and I, I did write eloquently about it, I guess. <laughs> but um, it's something where they've lost four in a row at this point. Teams are starting to kind of sniff it out. The dribble handoff is definitely going to be a central aspect of the Pistons' offense going forward, but... He's been killing teams that don't necessarily have the defensive fundamentals. Sure. Once you bring it into the playoffs, I really wonder how, you know, it still works when Drummond really still can't do anything outside of 15 feet. Right. Yeah. Right. And they can't, if they can't stretch the floor with him, what do they do? Guys, let's talk a little bit about sustainability. Because I want to know, do you think that this top three that we have of LeBron, Harden, and Giannis, is that the MVP race? Do you think that we're going to be talking about those guys, those three names at the end of the year? Can Giannis sustain these numbers and 
Do you think that it's going to be the Harden-LeBron year, or will one of the Warriors get in there? Barring injury, I think those guys are going to be on the top five ballot. I think the two guys underneath them, Steph and KD, those are the ones I would pinpoint as potentially jumping over them, especially, let's say, Steph's injury lingers. Maybe they play it a little safe. Maybe it's more of a month, maybe even longer mm-hmm. than KD gets triple doubles every night like he did the other night. Yeah. I think then we're starting to talk about KD not necessarily on the all-defensive team as he would like us to, but right. more in the MVP discussion. I, I kind of think it's a it's a two-man race. Yeah. I, I think this is the year that all of Rockets fans have, have been waiting for for the last three years mm-hmm. when James Harden finally gets his hands on that trophy. Well, this is really fascinating, right? Because it's either a make good for last year for mm-hmm. Harden or it's a make good for the last few years for LeBron. Right. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like in some ways I look back and I'm like, man, we like really screwed up by not giving it to LeBron in any point in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But by that same token, it's like Harden... Harden is playing this season like a guy who feels like he deserves to have that trophy in his hands. Is there anybody here that you think is just playing out of their mind and is going to level off, whether it's Embiid, whether it's any of the Pelicans guys, whether it's Ben Simmons, who I think that we're all like blown away by, but we we don't necessarily know if it's going to be sustainable over the course of a year. Although, actually, the way he plays just looks like he's just like, yeah, I'm in my sixth year. I know how to do this. Yeah, you do worry about him hitting the rookie wall. Yeah, and I guess a little bit of also just people being like, like if you sag on this guy, although I feel like they have been sagging on him right. and it hasn't worked. Uh, I do wonder about like maybe because he's such a physical player, maybe mm-hmm. the toll on his body starts to add up, especially because this is his first season and that those sort of things kind of, I think you need to figure out how to deal with them before you can really kind of manage them. I would look at Cousins, his technicals are already starting to rise. And then you're going to get into the, the part of the season that post-trade deadline even beforehand where... Mm-hmm. You're looking at, is he going to play this night? If he gets two more technicals, do we have to cover for him? And I think even if he's still putting up this level of production, even if he's still on the Pelicans, I think that's going to mar his just like general perception in the league. I don't know about Oladipo, you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I enjoy watching the Pacers. I enjoy everything that they've been doing. Oladipo has been the biggest surprise of the season for me. Other than, I guess, Aaron Gordon, who is an honorable mention. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to Aaron to in a sec, yeah. Um, man, he is shooting like 46% from three, and it's it's <laughs> it's 25 games in the season. I don't know what to make out of this. Yeah, but. that's a really good shout. I, it, Oladipo is one where if the usage continues and he right. continues to get like these transition buckets, you could see him still on the list, but there's got to be some regression. There, there. There, was a, there was a stat I'd seen, I think it was tweeted on the Basketball Reference Twitter, that he currently has the highest PER of any pacer, like, period. <laughs> like, like, it was higher than any of the, the Reggie Miller years, the Danny Green Higher than years. Antonio Davis? Yeah. <laughs> it, one thing that, you know, we can be in a little bit of a bubble here because we're always looking for storylines. We're looking for things to get excited about by watching basketball. And we've really sold the farm on this idea of this, like, younger generation of unicorn players. Do you think that that is our media bias in play? Because nine of these guys are 25 or younger, right? Giannis, Kyrie, Anthony Davis, Porzingis, Embiid, Simmons, Drummond, Oladipo, and Jokic. That's the new generation of NBA players that we're going to be watching for the next 10, 15 years. Are we just freaked out by these guys, or are they actually making their case to be part of the NBA elite this season? It could be. Uh, We obviously gravitate toward what's fresh and new, and Mm -hmm. all these guys are doing things that we've never seen before. But at the same time... I think that's just the way the league is going. So it almost is the perfect 
context incubator, whatever you want to say, for those type of players. It's like we're in the live ball era now, yeah. where where like such a dramatic shift has happened, where a different type of player is obviously going to shine, and that player just happens to be younger because they got a jump start. Like we were talking with Towns, he already knew how to shoot threes yeah. going into the league. Right, and and we look back at the GM survey that came out in the summer. The question that Carly Anthony Towns won again after winning it last year was, if you were to start a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? That's really fascinating. Mm. Towns was at 29% this season. Last season, it was at 48%. Wow. Huh. So, so think about how much has changed since then. That's wild. You know? Let's talk a little bit about the guys on the outside looking in, the honorable mentions. And Isaac, if we could queue up some really maudlin Drake. <laughs> we don't have rights to that. Uh, let's talk about the Raptors. <laughs> oh, because right. I, had DeRozan, I had DeRozan and Lowry on my ballot. So don't okay. come at me, Canada. I but did they did not make our top 25, despite Toronto putting together another competent, you know, what are they? The Raptors uh, are good. 15 and 7, <laughs> plus 7.5 differential, awesome offense. Again, they're trying to modernize. Kyle Lowry is draining threes, yeah. but these guys didn't get on. Why? Are we just too used to it? I think for me personally, uh, I think I just don't find the Raptors all that intriguing. It's just like a aesthetic entertainment value sort of thing. And I think the one flaw of all of these rankings, whether it's this one, which is more of a uh, specific snapshot of the season or like kind of the NBA rank type of things, is it's more it catches the zeitgeist or kind of the public perception more than saying really honing in on where these guys are in the league, I think. Right. And I think it's just the uh, Toronto is kind of stuck in this cycle where they just keep doing the thing, same thing over and over. Danny's going to tell me otherwise. Well, but they, I just, they're, they're I can't doing the thing that it. we just ask of yeah. great teams. They are a to- <laughs> sure. top five offense and a top ten defense. <laughs> just, really just to make it clear, Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan are twenty six and twenty seven <laughs> on this list, so they just barely <laughs> yeah. missed the cut. Yeah. Um. I think the stink of the early season for Kyle Lowry kind of mm-hmm. brought him down. Him being like, opinion. I kind of wish I was on the Spurs. Right. Didn't help. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And for me, when I'm watching this Raptors team, the excitement that I get from this experience is watching them develop their youth. And yeah. it's not necessarily Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan having to put the team on, on their back. And that's something refreshing. Yeah, that's and true. And so I, I don't necessarily see those two guys taking their games to the next level, although DeMar DeRozan is having the best shooting season of his career. Right. It's definitely more about the the periphery Yeah, in that case. Did, yep. did you consider putting Kevin Love on your ballot? I did not. Although I know he's playing really well lately. Yeah, averaging a double-double. excited about him. Yeah. The two-man game that he's developing with LeBron is probably three years late. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, I, 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 it, it, but this is watching those guys play a screen and roll. It's unguardable because it allows LeBron space to pass and it gives Kevin Love like an open lane to the basket. And he's actually still a pretty good finisher. Yeah. He can really bang down low. To your point, though, about just like us gravitating toward what's new and some of these younger guys, Kevin Love does seem pretty passe, even though he was kind of like one of the first models. Yeah. Like he was the model right. T for the stretch And he four. was putting up the numbers that were so, were going so nuts over AD and Boogie putting up, but he was doing like weird 40 and 20 nights back mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Yeah. Right. The fact that he can't operate as the ball handler in those situations most of the time, I think it just speaks to how far the game has come even in the past two, three years. Embiid is in here. Drummond is in here. But we didn't have guys like Marcus Gasol, who recently went down with an injury and has had kind of an up and down season, but was considered an all NBA talent, what, like a season ago, two seasons ago? Two weeks ago. No Hassan Whiteside, no DeAndre Jordan. What's going on with the centers, Danny? Honestly, I I, I don't know. I, I, Were I, any of these guys on your list? Did you have any? No. S- no. 
none of them were. We've moved to a point in the game where a lot of these guys. Yeah, exactly. Especially with DJ, who's just loafing through some of these Clipper games. And I don't blame him. Yes. Because things have gotten very dour very quickly. But there were times where I didn't even know if he was Towns level engaged in what was going on though. Yeah. Speaking of guys who are who have Clippers associations, <laughs> I will say that uh, one person who did not make this is point God, Chris Paul. Mm. And if he keeps playing like he's played in the last two weeks, he might get in the top 10, I think. Right. He looks like P.E.D. Paul. Like, he is going nuts. And it's so efficient, and it's so fun to watch. 10 assists in under 30 minutes per game. Yeah. yeah. I think crazy. he's James Harden's MVP. Yeah. Because right. he's basically allowed Harden to just keep doing what he's doing and really hasn't disrupted any of the flow whatsoever. I think they've managed to just bypass any potential kind of early era heat big three sort of drama and it's kind of impressive it's why we don't talk about the rockets because there isn't much intrigue they're just really fucking good any other guys who've had injuries earlier in the season be it gobert be it Kawhi, who you could see jumping in to top 20 top 25 even top 10 a healthy Kawhi is probably their top five it would definitely bring lamarcus down with gobert it's an interesting case because yes he's he's been injured but even when he was on the court the Jazz haven't really figured out what to do with him in favors, and they were actually doing better with favors as the sole big man because they were able to space the floor. Yeah. And now, you know, they're having to refigure things out with that team, and it's just not going as well as maybe they'd hoped. But yeah, they had like a nice little seven and three run, and I think right. that now that they've stumbled a couple of games, right? Because they, yeah. they're starting to figure that out. The defense was good too without right. Gobert, which really kind of caught my eye. The one guy I want to end with is somebody who we haven't seen this year is Isaiah Thomas, just because he's another Russ-type guy who in a situation last season was probably one of the stories of the season, gets traded for Kyrie Irving, has this hip problem, could come back. I've heard, we've heard like around Christmas, he certainly seems to be ready to come back. Is it the best version of Isaiah Thomas, the top 25 player in the NBA? Probably. I wonder how much we're going to just hold the games they didn't play against him at yeah. this point. I kind of don't buy the argument full sale just because I was an Embiid Rookie of the Year voter. I think if you can be that good in a, a, just a condensed amount of time, that's value. Yeah. And it's just not your fault that your body didn't really kind of do it. But I, I think he could make the list, but I, I can't imagine jumping, like, let's say, in the top 15. Sure. I wouldn't put him in my top 20. He would probably be in the borderline of top 25. The defensive issues are always going to be there. sitting right next to Kyle yeah, Lowry. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, with, with the Cavs, that's their biggest glaring issue. And you're, you're not getting an upgrade from—you're not getting an upgrade from Kyrie— in that situation. So Absolutely. I, I, I don't know. All right, guys, let's wrap it up there. Thanks for joining me. You can read the top 25 players of the first 25-ish games post on theringer.com. You can also check out an awesome Bill column about NBA trades that need to happen. We have tons of stuff on the site this week for NBA heads, so please check it out. Check out Ringer NBA Show almost every day on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. Hey!